You are listening to a sermon from Covenant Hope Church. Thank you for engaging with us. If you would like more information about our church family, please visit www.covenanthope.church. We pray that this sermon encourages and challenges you today. Good morning, church. If you have a Bible, grab it. Turn to Colossians chapter 1. Yes, my name is Cody. I'm one of the pastors here and have the opportunity to open up the scriptures for us regularly and are glad to do so and continue in our series called Marks of Maturity. If you are a guest or if you've been coming for a few weeks, this is a great time for you to find out who Covenant Hope is all about. And we're going to end uh, that series today. If you don't have a Bible, there should be a Bible in front of you and you can use that uh, this morning and you can turn to page 1043. If you do not have a Bible, we uh, encourage you to take that home with you and, uh, and to read and hear from God. Is it a gift from us? And as we start this morning, uh, many of you uh, in the room are parents. Uh, maybe you've had uh, kids. Maybe your kids are growing up. Maybe you have young kids. I think you can remember uh, and can, can think about with me right now. Uh, Graham is in this stage where he anything he hears, anything he sees, he says, what is that? And we hear what is that about 75 times a day, and we don't know exactly what he hears or what he sees. Sometimes we can guess about what he's uh, trying to look at or hearing, but he's asking us, what is that? And we know the, the dreaded time, about four years old, when every time we say something, he's going to start saying, why? Why? We're going to tell him to clean, you know, to clean up his toys. Why? We're going to tell him we're going to eat dinner. Why? And so he, he's going, his, as he grows, he's going to think about why do we do these things? Why? Why do I have to eat? Why do I have to pick up my toys? Why do I have to go to bed at night? And actually, that disposition is a good disposition to be in. To, to actually, actually think, why does this matter? Why are we doing things? Why are we here as a church? Why do we gather together? Why do we do the things that we do? Why did you this morning come out in the snow, ice, to come worship the Lord? Why? Church, we come together to make mature disciples of Jesus Christ so that we can impact our world. That's why we are here this morning. That's why we gather during the week. That's why we, we look to walk with Christ every day. And so we come here to this last mark of maturity what we mean by this are these are dispositions or marks that should be categorizing our lives and how we are following Jesus. Do they actually describe who we are? And so if we're going to multiply, what does that mean? Multiply is a family of believers multiplying disciples and churches with the mission of the gospel. Multiplying disciples and churches with the mission of the gospel. Nate just read for us Matthew 28. In which Jesus commissions his disciples, he commissions us to make disciples. That's the mission of the gospel. Right, if you're not a Christian today, this is what our Lord has called us to. Maybe it's the first time that you're hearing that we are called to make disciples. I mean, the first time you're hearing for us to actually, we're going to be out in our communities sharing the gospel, calling people to repentance, showing people that there is a better way, and that way is Jesus. 
We also, we want to understand multiplication of in disciples and churches, both here and around the world. Right? We don't just think multiplication is this thing that we talk about. No, it's something that actually takes place. That we are handing down the faith to others. That we are actually building each other up. That we will see growth numerically, but we'll also see growth spiritually. And we get, if we get those mixed up, then we begin to practice, we begin to do things at, at the wrong level and in the wrong way. But we must understand that when, we, when the gospel is multiplied, it should first root itself deeply in our hearts so that then it is actually cherished and it is labored for together. Then numbers do come and Disciples are made and churches are planted and missionaries are sent across the world. That is what happens. And why do we do this again? Because our mission is to make mature disciples so that we look like Jesus more today than we did yesterday. And we need each other to do that. And so as we focus here in Colossians 1, what we're going to see is this. Paul explains his labor to proclaim the gospel so that they and him may present everyone mature in Christ. And if you are a disciple today, if you're a Christian, what should you do? If we're talking about maturing, we're talking about growing, we're talking about who we are as a church family, when we hear this, when we hear this text, what are we to know and do today? Multiplication of the gospel happens when we strive to mature others together. When we strive to mature others together. You see there, as we walk through uh, this text this morning, we're going to consider how multiplying disciples and churches with the mission of the gospel, we're actually going to look at how Paul thinks about this. We're going to look at how Paul talks about this. We're going to see how Paul actually feels about this inspired by God the Spirit. We're going to see that in how he talks to the Colossian church. These are very personal and intense words because Paul cares deeply about God and cares deeply about these people. And he cares deeply about how they fit into God's mission. And so when we hear these words, hear them as dearly loved people from God both Paul and our Lord. I want you to see Paul's heart this morning and his response to submitting to the Lordship of Christ and therefore submitting himself to God's mission to make disciples. And so as we walk through our text this morning, here's here's what we're going to do. We're going to bring out three implications for us as disciples. So look there at verse 28, here's what we're going to see in this first part. We're going to see this as an implication. There is a response to the Lordship of Christ. A response to the Lordship of Christ. And we pick up here in verse 28, in this section where Paul is really pouring out his heart. He's talking about suffering. He's talking about being beaten. He's talking about giving his life for the gospel of Christ. Paul is sharing how he's communicating the importance of gospel work. These, are, these words are a beautiful response to a church hymn that we see in verses uh, 15 and 16 of chapter 1. 
Uh, we understand that this is probably an early church hymn in chapter 1 that Paul has probably edited at some level. But it declares who Jesus is. That Jesus is the Lord of the universe. And there is nothing without this Lord in this world. Listen as, as I read this. It's going to be on the screen for you. He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation. For everything was created by Him in heaven and on earth. The visible and the invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. Jesus is clearly our Lord. And He is clearly in control of everything. And it is this Lordship that Paul is responding to. That Paul is writing to these Colossian believers. It's this Lord that, that Paul responded to on the Damascus Road. It's the Lordship that governs Paul's life. It's the Lordship that has called him to write this letter to help the church understand its mission of worshiping Jesus as Lord. And therefore, when we see in verse 28, he says, we proclaim... Jesus is at the center of everything Paul proclaims. Jesus is the message. Jesus is the core piece of the message. He is who Paul proclaims. And it's the same message that Paul received. So what does submitting to this lordship look like though? Look at how Paul des describes this. In verse 29, he says, I labor for this, striving with his strength that powerfully works in me. The lordship of Jesus deserves our all. It deserves everything. And this is what Paul has been saying in these verses. That everything he has has been given for the Lord. The lordship of Christ has an implication in our lives. It's not just that we place our faith in Christ. It's not just that we keep living our old lives, is that it's not what we do. Paul doesn't return to the Jewish synagogue. He goes to work for Jesus. Everything was changed for him. He went from persecuting Christians to serving and teaching them. He went from hating churches to planting them. The Lordship of Jesus drives Paul's allegiance and it must drive ours. Look at those words there. He says, labor and striving. These words denote a significant amount of energy. A significant amount of effort towards the mission of God. To make disciples. But notice Paul's work and, and then the Lord's. Paul's very specific. Paul is striving, not just with his own power, but with the power of God. He says, with strength that is power. He and we cannot actually work for the mission of God, in the mission of God, without God actually working with us, for us, and before us. If we go in in our own strength, in our own power, we will fall short. There's nothing we can do. And so, as disciples, we're called to strive for Jesus and His kingdom. We're called to give our lives for this kingdom. It should change how we live. It should cause us to work and give effort and energy. But all that is worthless if God is not working. But here's what's true, church. Our God is working in your life 
and he's working in our communities, and he's working in our schools and our workplaces. God has already gone before you. I heard a, a pastor talk about this once in the sense of if we wake up every day and don't ask God to go before us, are we actually not walking in our own strength and our own power? But if we wake up and we say, God, please, there, here's what's on my calendar. Here's what I have to do today. Here's what I'm struggling with. I need you to work. We're stepping in with God as he is working in our world. And as disciples, we both need to work and we need God to work for us. But what is Paul working for? He's working to present everyone mature in Christ. He's working to grow mature disciples. In some ways, this verse actually details our mission as a church. That we are to grow mature disciples who impact their world for Christ. Which should be the same mission statement for every church. It may just be worded a little differently. Because this is what Jesus calls us to. Paul understands the Lordship of Christ and how the only response to Him should be to give our whole life to Him. Whether that's what school you go to or what job you hold or what you do in life or you go overseas or you stay here, all of that has now been given to Jesus. Paul gives his everything for the glory of God. If we want to see people come to faith and people walk with Jesus faithfully, if we want to do that, we must give our lives to this gospel work. God absolutely does not need us. Do not misunderstand me this morning. God does not need us. But he desires to work in and through us. We need Him. He doesn't need us, but He wants to use you. And this is the kind of people that we want to be. This is the kind of people we've been called to be. And if you are a disciple today, this is your response. This is my response. We've also been invited into this response. This is the second, here the second observation. There is a role for you in the church of Christ. A role for you in the church of Christ. We're going to continue here in verse 28 and then look at verse 1. When we place our faith in Christ, we are reconciled to God, being made righteous before Him, but we are also reconciled to each other being made into a family of God that we actually care for, love, grow as a family together. We take that very seriously. That we are each other's family members. It is this family that's been commissioned to make disciples. If you have placed your faith in Christ, you've been invited into this community, right? into this family. When we look here at verse 28, Paul makes this a communal effort. The word we, there's a reference to not just Paul and not just his team, but everyone who is a part of this mission, both past, present, and future. We proclaim Jesus. We strive to do these things. Paul uses this word labor too. He uses this word to describe the work of churches, not just individuals. This is a communal aspect. This is important, not just for the individual, but for the family of God. And then when we take verses 1 and 2 into consideration, we see that Paul's struggle is for what? For the local churches. 
These churches are the expression of God's family globally into a specific family that gather and meet and keep each other accountable and help when times are hard and when we suffer and when we cry together, but when we laugh together, when we rejoice together. This is what God's family does. These local churches are are the expression of how we actually walk in faithfulness to make disciples together. And as disciples, people have placed their faith in Christ. We cannot go at multiplication alone. Not only do we need God to work for us, we need each other to work in this mission together. We will not be able to do this alone. I told you a few weeks ago, there are no such things as long-ranger Christians. We need each other. And we need to join in this effort together. And when we take this section of Paul's letter, we see how important the local church is. That, that the local church, the community of God, is the means for maturity. There is no other means in the world that God has not placed in our lives than our family as believers. This church body. We see how important this is. Not just to God, but also to His mission. Paul is working for these churches. The effort must also be mutually received by these churches. You see, Paul's work to mature disciples and churches means that the church of God is God's plan for this mission. Paul is not speaking directly to a disciple. He's not speaking to a group of disciples. He's speaking to a church. He's writing to a church. And we must embrace God's plan for maturity. That is the church. A group of committed believers help each other walk in maturity, which leads to multiplication. This is why we take membership here seriously. It's why we covenant together. That we actually believe what we sign our names to. This is why our mission is actually the same mission that Christ gives us. This is why we have a disciple-making pathway. Because we're focused on how do we mature disciples. We believe that the church is, God, is the place that God has designed for us to grow. And invite others to grow as well. When we see there, we understand that the community of God is the is the means for growth, then we see that we are to strive and work in this community. Paul's word to present everyone mature in Christ is important, and he makes sure the Colossians understand what he's saying. Look there at verse 1. He says, For I want you to know how greatly I am struggling for you. The work of maturity is so important that Paul is giving everything he has to see it happen. You must realize that the Christian life is, is one of struggle for each other and those who do not know Jesus. Paul wants us to know and understand what the Christian life is about. The Christian life is for us to give ourselves away so that people can grow and mature. That we can help each other grow together. This must be our priority. Must be. This knowledge must lead to action. It must lead to mutual struggle together. We must contend for God's mission this way. Struggle brings, this, brings out this idea of an, of an athletic competition. Or this idea of a sustained effort towards a particular goal. 
This is how Paul describes it. This long race towards maturity for the sake of multiplication in God's mission. The struggle, though, is for maturity. To look more and more like Jesus. We don't strive to earn our salvation. We don't strive to earn entrance into God's family. Rather, we strive to help others grow in maturity because we've already been saved. Because we've already been accepted. The goal is maturity, to look like Jesus, to look like Christ. But each of us are different. The outworking of our maturity looks different. We are not all called to be pastors or deacons or missionaries or leaders in the same way. We're not all called to serve in the same ministry. We're not all called to serve the same way. We may actually look different. We look different. We will not be 100% the same. But here's the deal. We all have a place in God's family together. As Paul talks about this to the Corinthian church, he says that there are hands and feet and eyes and all of us are not the same so that we make up one healthy body. You and I have a place in God's family. And particularly, you have a place here. If you're, if you're a guest that's been coming for a while, you have a place here to learn, grow, thrive, and actually enjoy Christ together. And to be able to help other people enjoy Christ. So when the church responds rightly to the Lordship of Christ and receives its role into the family, what's that result? What's the result of that? It brings us to our third observation. The result of maturity is multiplication for the mission of Christ. When a church, the people, give itself to the mission of God, they will both mature internally, but also externally. When we consider God's plan to become mature, we also see the natural outworking of maturity. Which we see is multiplication. The gospel is not to be hoarded or hidden away or stored away in some closet. It's called to be proclaimed and invited people into. This is what we hold out. It's to be cherished and proclaimed and multiplied. The result of a church striving, which is our response, and working together in our roles is multiplication. Here's the deal. I want you to notice the impact that maturity that a church, if it's growing in maturity, what the impact is currently on us, we should be growing. We should be multiplying. But we also must set the right expectations. We must set the right goals. Our goals are not to build massive buildings and invite everyone in here. Our goal is to see people come to faith be discipled here or in other local churches, to send people away to plant churches wherever there are not churches, to send missionaries all across the world. So that, not that we make a big name for covenant, but that we make a big name about Jesus. And as we grow together, we will see, we will reap what we sow in that. Our goal is to make much of Jesus together. And when maturity happens, it makes its way into everything we do. That way, covenant hope is not measured by the wrong thing. But that covenant hope is actually not measured by the seating capacity of this room or the number of of rooms in the back or how many people we can fit in a fellowship hall, but by the number of people 
we send away. The number of people we say go and work for the mission of Christ. Whether it's here in Youngsville, Wake Forest, Creedmoor, somewhere else in North Carolina, across the nation or across the world. May we not be measured by the number of butts in a seat, but how many people we send away for the sake of God's kingdom. Why can we rejoice in that? Because we know that that's not the end. That there will be a kingdom that we all enjoy together. And we can give our lives for this. When maturity happens, it makes its way into our lives. Gospel maturity is expressed through the sharing of the gospel. Through sharing of gospel resources and sending to gospel work. I hope from this text that you see how our church is called to be mature and how that maturity works itself out in multiplication. But I don't want you to miss the impact that it has on you as an individual today. Is your life marked by struggle for God's mission? Is your life marked by struggle for your church family? That's the question that we have to hold out today. What are we giving our lives to? Are we giving our lives to a job that at some point we will retire or we will have to be, we won't be doing it anymore? Are we giving our lives to, to things that are going to, to go away? We can't take, you've heard this, we can't take our money, we can't take our stuff, can't take it with us. But what we can do is we can leave a legacy of disciple making after us. The only thing that you can leave behind when we leave this world are people. People who are impacted by the gospel. And so how do we do that? How, as a church, how do we do that? How do we fit together in that plan? This is why we have a disciple-making pathway. This is why we believe that everything we do is filtered through making mature disciples. And so there's going to be a graphic on the screen. And as we've talked about this some, we are going to talk, continue to talk about it more. How do we fit? How do you fit into this? Well, one, we gather for worship weekly. Just like there's a diet for our healthy bodies. I don't want to ask you how your New Year's resolutions are going today. But just like there's a healthy diet that we should all follow, there's also a healthy diet for disciples to follow and how they are to live their lives. Hebrews 10 instructs us to not forsake the gathering, to watch out for one another. That's the purpose. The purpose is not to have some legal, legalistic thought about being here every single Sunday. The thought is to gather so that we can watch and care for each other. There's a purpose behind that. It's not just that we show up and say, hey, I checked the box. The purpose is to actually watch out for one another and care for one another. We need to worship the Lord of the universe. That We need Him to speak to us through His Word and us pray to Him and us sing to Him so that He encourages and challenges us to walk in this faith. We need to sing songs of praise, songs of lament, songs of longing to God. We need to center our lives around the Scriptures, and that's what we're doing here, that we center our lives around this book. Because we believe that God has spoken and revealed Himself in this book, in these words. And we center our lives around Him through Bible and singing and prayer. May this not be the only time that our lives are centered around Him, though. This should be a way for us to model in our own lives how we can model our days around being centered on the Word. 
Now, as a church, we're going to preach through books of the Bible together. We're going to walk through. We're going to see what God has to say. We're not going to come up with cool self-help things. Because I don't have any of those, to be honest with you, if I did. I don't have any of those. All I have is God's Word to give you. And I pray that as we do this, we're going to see the life, death, and burial of Jesus Christ at the center of God's Word and where we point to and where we grow. And it is only in Christ that we can even do this. We need to be encouraged to, to live this life. That's why we gather. And to continue to be challenged to strive for this. I hope that you do not see our weekly worship as a box to be checked off. But it's rather something you enjoy, something you receive, something that is maturing you. And what happens though is we talk about that this is not the only time that we are actually maturing in Christ. This is why we call, what you may have heard small groups, community groups, we call these actually missional communities because we want to live on mission together. That we actually want to go at this together. Out of our weekly worship, we want to live lives, just normal rhythms that demonstrate our goal of maturity. We cannot expect to grow if we are not regularly gathering for community. If we're not actually wanting to pursue spiritual growth and, and, and wisdom and community together. If we say, look, I want to I grow in Christ and I give one hour a week, what does that say about us? I say this specifically because I am thrilled to know that we have multiple people every week that are having people in their homes, having dinner together, going to the park, doing things together. I am so thrilled about that. Continue to do that. But I'm speaking specifically about missional communities because of our context, because we as your pastors believe we need intentional focused time together to be spurred on in mission. The world is trying to disciple you. The world is trying to do that. And there are competing agendas, and we could have all kinds of thoughts about those agendas, but it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, the world is trying to disciple you. How are they discipling? The news, social media, uh, or even our workplaces. Everything is trying to disciple you. Some good, some bad. And we, if we say, yeah, you know what? Hey, one to three hours a week, that's going to cure that. It's going to cure it. Versus 40 or 50 or 60 hours a week that we're being put information in us. Something has to change. Like we have to say, no, I'm going to give my life to growing in Christ. I don't say this out of legalism. I don't say this out of just checking a box. I say this out of love and care for us that we grow together, that we're spurred on into mission because maturity leads to multiplication. We've also designed our MCs to be a place where the believer, where we can grow together, but also where the unbeliever can be invited into what we do, whether it's a meal or a service project, or maybe we're actually looking at the scriptures together, we'd be able to invite them into what we're doing. Would just be one place for people to be connected to our church family. So we, we worship weekly together. We gather in missional communities during the week. And thirdly, we have discipleship groups. And when we consider Paul's words in verse 28 and 29, there's a specific and intense language that he's using. Paul is proclaiming Christ, but how's he doing that? 
He's warning and teaching with all wisdom. It seems that maturity involves handing down the faith through teaching, admonishing, and wisdom. This is why we believe that actually gathering in smaller groups to actually learn God's Word and learn the faith and be able to hand it down is important. Our disciple-making process cannot just be read your Bibles, listen to someone preach, you know, have a meal together. That just can't be it. There's more to disciple-making. This is why we see these discipleship groups as a core piece of us actually growing. That people are learning. That you have four to six people together. You have, it's men and women. That you actually get growth tools. That you actually are held accountable. That you give commitment to this. That you have a leader who is handing down these things to you. There's an expectation to multiply. So that we actually are handing down the faith and at the end of the day too that we have multiple leaders and multiple people who are making disciples. So just to be really honest, so that everyone doesn't look like the leadership. So that everyone doesn't just look like the same person. So that we, because that God has gifted each of you with different experiences and gifts that He can use you to hand down the faith. We believe that it is possible to grow. We believe, but we have to give ourselves to that and we also believe that we're growing in this together right especially d groups that this is something we're still growing but this must take a priority in our lives that there's real heart change and accountability and friendship and growth and we also know hand down the faith means doctrine and practice uh, how we read the bible matters because we're seeing the world, we're, or we're seeing at least other people who say they're Christians, how they read the Bible, and we're like, wait a second, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So we need to learn how to read the Bible together. How we think about issues together. I want to encourage you, especially if you're a member here, if you've not gone through a D group to seek out your missional community leader, come to me or Pastor Ryan. We have people who are ready to lead, who have walked through these things. So that we actually hand down the faith together. So that our maturity leads to multiplication. And finally, our fourth piece of this is that we're sending and serving. Why? Because we want to see the impact that God has in our lives. We want to see what He can do. We know and trust in Him that He will do these things. We believe that if we devote our lives to the gospel, that we will actually see and actually feel what's going on here in Colossians 1 and the beginning of Colossians 2. We believe that there's a lot of opportunity for God to use us. We believe that our church will be strengthened and multiplication will be a direct result of our faithfulness. Multiplication may be best seen in how we send and how we serve. We believe that disciples who multiply will seek to help others grow by serving them and being intentional in their lives. Right, so there's three kind of thoughts here as we think about serving and sending. First of all, we have a church, and we want a church that has a every member ministry. That every member here is involved in service of some kind. We understand that from Ephesians chapter 4. We have seen that you are invited into God's family. We want you to step into that. We want you to step into serving, into ministry. We want you to be sent out every Sunday. This is why we say every week, go with the hope of the gospel. Because this, as a gathering of worship, is for us to be encouraged and challenged 
to go back into our homes, our neighborhoods, our schools, and our jobs to actually live out the faith that we're talking about. We want you to be sent, equipped to disciple your kids, to disciple your co-worker, to disciple people that you come in contact with. We want this to be a place where everyone has a role. Everyone is working together to see multiplication happen. Secondly, too, in this sitting and serving, we want to develop leaders. Like We want you to, to see that this is a place that you can grow, that you can step into things. Right? We, when we talk about leaders here, we're talking about folks who are serving in ministries or even deacons and pastors. That people are actually growing in the faith and, and actually helping each other walk in this. We want you to grow. We want you to take a step in this. Serving here at Covenant Hope is a step for us to grow maturity. One, to be faithful. One, to care for other people, whether it's welcoming or in music or cleaning toilets. It doesn't matter. But that we actually are giving ourselves so that we help each other grow. And then thirdly, out of this, and this is a goal that we have as a church, that we're going to plant churches. That we're actually going to send people away for the sake of the kingdom. We believe that churches plant churches. That's the natural progression of a mature church that is multiplying. And we want to see that happen. It's why we give now to church planting. It's why we actually give of our resources, give of our time. We've been on mission trips to multiple churches because we want to give of our time, talents, and treasures to them. And then one day, we're actually going to have a church plant. If we have guys who want this, who want to step into this kind of ministry, and we want to send them and be prepared to do so. We want to train pastors and missionaries and church planters because we see this not just about covenant hope. We see this about God's kingdom everywhere, all across the world. And at the end of the day, we're going to send some of our best away. Some of our best are going to be sent to hard places, to places that are difficult. We're going to send people away to maybe 30 minutes down the road because there's not a gospel-centered church there. Because we think it's right and we think it's what God has called us to. And I pray, and I keep praying that this, this hope, this dream, this vision is what God is going to do for us. So that we see His work, not just in our lives, but in other people's lives. When we respond to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, we step and then step into the role that He's called us to in His church. We will see God mature us and we will see the result of that is to be multiplication. That the gospel will be multiplied deeper into our hearts and deeper into our communities. Our prayer for us as the church family is to dedicate our lives to the cause of Christ to make disciples. This happens when we commit ourselves to maturity. Multiplication of the gospel happens when we strive to mature others together. When we labor hard after these things, God is going to work in and through us together. Despite our weaknesses, despite our failures, even despite some of our good that we bring. God is going to work. He's going to use us to see His kingdom move forward. In the grace of God, we are becoming a church of mature disciples who give their lives to multiply disciples and churches 
together. Will you pray with me? God, we know that it is your mission, it is your kingdom that that is what is the focus here. And it's easy to get off track. It's easy to put our own thoughts and our own ways in front of, of your mission. It's easy to forget. It's easy to be distracted. It's easy to give ourselves to good things. Family and work and rest. Sometimes those things take precedent over our call to the mission that you've given us. And it's not a call to, to work ourselves to the bone. It's not a call to, to, to wither away. It's a call to thrive in the way that you have given us this task. That you actually know what's best for us. That you actually know what is good for us. And I pray that we will be a people that are giving ourselves to grow and to see multiplication happen. God, I pray that you will make us this kind of people. I I need you. I know others need you. We desperately need you to work. We've asked you already in the month of January to save people. We're going to continue to ask that. We need you to grow us. We need you to give us opportunities. We need you to form relationships. We need you to help us see Christ deeper together. Please make us this kind of people. Not for our own glory, not for our own goals, but for your glory and your mission. I ask all of this in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Spirit. Amen.